When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Dave DeFore and it's Friday, so that means it's Nerder. She wrote, joining me as he does every single episode, my partner in crime, Seth Partnow. What's up, Seth? Hello, Dave. Hi, welcome. Welcome back. Can, can, and, I, can uh, I can I try the intro or are we done with that? No, we're done with that. We're okay. done with that. And filling in for our other partner, Mo Kill this week, we got Eric Name, our Milwaukee Bucks beat reporter over at The Athletic. So you know we're going to get to some Bucks stuff here in a minute. Eric, welcome back to Nerder. Hope Absolutely. your summer has gone well. I know you've been eating a lot of good food, done a little bit of travel. So following your Instagram is always fun because I see... The, the five or six spots that I remember from Milwaukee with good food. What was that one place, the sandwich place that we went to? Uh, Bavet, maybe? Yes. So, I would guess Bavet. Great yeah. sandwich in, in downtown Milwaukee. Uh, first topic of the day, guys. Our friend John Krasinski over at The Athletic wrote, Why Anthony Edwards will leave Minnesota discourse is bad for NBA business. And I recommend, number one, go read that. Uh, John Krasinski is one of the best reporters that we have. Uh, and it may be in basketball, definitely in basketball. But also, I agree. It's bad for business. Listen, the Minnesota Timberwolves are a team that are just now finding success after years of failure. They got a new ownership group. And for whatever reason... Another small market team has a star that they drafted and who has developed with them. And the big stories are, oh, well, where is he going to play next? We've already got the photoshops coming out. And not just that, you know, Michael Jordan and Anthony Edwards are basically the same guy. Uh, but, man, the photoshops have already started. His Team USA run is inspiring people to draft him to their team in free agency, which – He's got years to go. <laughs> Six so years. I, I don't even understand how we got here. Um, you know, Seth, I guess it's bad for business. It's just bad for business. We want every team needs a star, right? Let them let them keep their stars, at least while they have them. I mean, this is a topic that we hit out on a lot on this show is like the, the transaction stuff, the off-court stuff. It's it's fun, it's a useful part of it, but it just the 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 amount of the oxygen it sucks up is just is, is too much and i understand it now i mean we're the off season like not a ton is happening i mean the the of the league's business there's a couple stalemates which we'll i'm sure we'll get to but i will say the one difference in this case versus a lot of the other star get traded is that this doesn't seem to be like an agent placement kind of thing this is like a guy on a podcast spouted off and now we're talking about it so you know collect your engagement pasco i mean eric this is kind of up your alley as you've dealt with this for pretty much you know your entire career up in milwaukee so i mean look it, anthony edwards is a is a good player 
and potentially going to be a great player and maybe even an all-time great. You know, we'll see. It's very early. But, man, it really does rain on the parade of of the fans in Minnesota. And I think just people who like the NBA in general. I mean, you know, you guys know how I really feel about player movement and how I actually think it's really bad for the league in general. But I think that this sort of discourse in the media is also bad. I mean, not that our job is to make the league better or anything like that, but it's it's boring. Plain and simple. It doesn't serve anything. Yeah, I mean, so obviously, like, this all started with Patrick Beverly on a podcast mentioning, like, oh, you know, Ant's not going to be there for that long or, you know, whatever he said. Eventually, he's going to go somewhere else or outgrow Minnesota or, or however it goes. And, like, I guess my, like, from my perspective, obviously, I saw this happen with Giannis and, you know, I covered the whole Supermax extension the last time he signed it and we're going to do it all over again here in a little while and we'll talk about that later in the show, but, like, I guess for me, like, can we just let Anthony Edwards be great first? Like that part hasn't even happened yet. Like that part, the part where he's an MVP candidate hasn't happened yet. I'm not, that's not to take anything away from his playoff performance last year. It isn't to take anything away from what he's done at an incredibly young age. It's all been very good. He's not in the MVP conversation. Like we haven't even gotten to that point. Like typically we get, we get there first and then we say like, oh yeah, you know, this guy could go to a bigger, or better team or this other team could really use him to, you know, get over the top and win a title. Like he just signed his rookie extension. Like there's six it's more It's not years. like this is Shea Gilgis Alexander who just made all NBA first team, right? Correct. And is and- leading team Canada, you know, to an inevitable clash. I'm assuming with team USA at some point. Uh, in the world cup. I mean, it's not they're right. He doesn't have that resume yet. And, and again, I'm not saying that he won't get there maybe as soon as next year. Like I'm, I'm not trying to say any of that, but like you didn't even let Minnesota enjoy the idea of having a franchise player first. Like they, they didn't even get to do that part. It was just like, well, they don't deserve this guy. Well, it not a bit early to say that. I mean, like, maybe it's just that the offseason has been kind of, you know, dull. Uh, sure. as, as Seth sort of alluded to, the the couple of pieces of outstanding business, they're, they're both stalemates. It's James Harden who opted into the last year of his deal and then demanded a trade. And it seems like uh, neither side is kind of budging on that. And we're going to see that come to, to a head in, in training camp. And then the story that... Bores me to tears, which is Damian Lillard asking for a trade uh, a year removed from signing a five-year Supermax. And I'm supposed to feel bad because he wants to play in one place and Portland hasn't sent him there in in spite of zero basketball games being played between the the time of the trade request and now. Like, we haven't hit training camp yet, but I'm I'm now supposed to feel bad that he hasn't been traded. I guess, I mean, you know, if you're going to get traded to Miami, you want some time to look for a house. You know, uh, the real estate market is kind of weird. You want to shop around for maybe you want to buy points on the mortgage. So you're not at the record rates that we're at right now. I, I don't know, Seth, like why, why am I supposed to feel bad as a fan here? Is it bad I, for the league that the Portland Trailblazers are not going to not trading Damian Lillard for, you know, pennies on the dollar before training camp? I mean, depends on what you mean by the league. If you if you mean sort of our piece of the league, maybe 
Although that's actually been pretty good because it's given people stuff to talk about all summer. So maybe, maybe just having the, maybe you want the issue, not the resolution, perhaps if we're going to be cynical about it. Um, no, I don't, you know, I don't have a problem with him asking for a trade. Definitely not. Like, you know, you, you it's good to want things and, uh, you know, but you know, you, you mentioned the Supermax contract. That's literally what Portland owes him is that money. And, you know, maybe if they tried to like, well, we're going to send you to Charlotte. Maybe then we can have a conversation about them not doing right by the player, but them like them doing right by the player doesn't mean do wrong by the organization. I mean, it's, you know, in another context, we would talk about the, the management of the Blazers having a fiduciary duty to ownership. It's like, Hey, we get, this is a, we have like you own this team and we have a responsibility to make it as good a franchise as possible. And, you know, jettisoning talent as a feel good gesture is not the way you go about doing that. Yeah. And I mean, it's got, it's boring because they are going through that, right? Like they didn't just do it. So because they didn't just do it now, it's led to what is essentially a boring stalemate where, you know, nothing has really changed. He hasn't changed teams. The players that the Heat have available hasn't really changed. That's remained the exact same. It's just a matter of getting to the points in figuring out the leverage of... of when I saw a guy make happen. a behind-the-back pass in the World Cup, though, so that, you know, I think that changes things dramatically. <laughs> no, the, part of the reason it's boring is, like, the the these are some of, like, the, the some of the posturing on is is just so non-credible it's uh you know the the um you know that's the 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 key to winning game of of chicken two guards driving at each other the guy who takes the his steering wheel off and chucks it out the window first wins and nobody believes that 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 that's how Lillard is gonna act so it's like okay yeah yeah, say these things he's gonna make things uncomfortable sure a guy who's renowned for leadership and professionalism is going to suddenly become a a team killing disruption yeah and also by the way I don't think Portland's doing anything on purpose like they're not like delaying better offers I, I think that they are rightfully waiting to see if they can get something better for a guy who has been a top 15 player in the NBA for a little while. I mean, you know, this is a guy who should be more valuable than what we know, uh, at least what's been reported that's been offered by, by the Miami heat. And, you know, Rudy Gobert got a lot. And I'm, I don't think that they're expecting a Rudy Gobert hall because it just doesn't exist, but you got to come up with something a little bit better than Miami. And maybe they don't, maybe no one does because he is 33 years old. He does have four years left on a, on a giant, contract and maybe there are teams that say hey uh we don't know what the last two years of that deal is going to look like maybe that's going to make cause us to struggle so you know your brooklyn's maybe even i doubt the knicks would be in on it but uh you know we've heard that boston might have had some interest uh, but you can understand why some teams might be holding back eric and and speaking to the other side of it like the heat don't just have to give away the things that they don't want to give away. Like there, there's a reason that, and, and this kind of goes to your point at the very beginning, Dave, zero games have been played since this trade demand request, whatever you want to say has occurred. So it's, it's pretty hard for, you know, the pieces involved to trade or, or to change all that much. Like the pieces that were going to be in this trade couldn't change all that much. I mean, obviously the draft could occur and you could see, you know, if, all of a sudden the Portland Trailblazers had the first pick in the draft. 
okay, that would have changed things a little bit, but but that didn't happen. So now everything is is what it has been and what it's going to be. Um, probably until someone plays some games or someone gets into a training camp. Like we're still a month away from teams getting into training camp at the end of September or the start of October. So like all of this just has to stay here because everyone has their own duty, right? Like they have to get as much as possible in a trade. Uh, the Heat have to try to give up as little as possible in a trade. You know, everyone has to do their duties and they're doing it. And that's just led to a standoff at this point. Which is fine. Right. It's the, the only part I think that I think our collective boredom with it is the fact that it's it's been just so like this sort of the staring is a public staring contest, which, you know, yeah. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Seems like a perfect time, Eric, to bring up Giannis because he kind of uh, had some things to say over the summer and it seems like they need to get back to their winning ways, even though they've been winning. And injuries kind of, you know, hurt them the last couple of years. It does seem like running it back with the same guys does have a shelf life with, with Giannis in, in Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, I think they're they're in an interesting spot now, right? Like Giannis, uh, you know, in the in the past has mentioned how, you know, as he was getting ready to sign a Supermax extension, the team needed to be focused on winning a championship and they needed to be making moves towards that and doing those types of, of things and pushing towards it. Uh, and the summer where he was prepared to sign a Supermax extension, they went all in and they traded for Drew Holiday and that ended up working out for them. They won a championship, which I think sometimes gets lost in this conversation. There is a banner hanging up in Fiserv Forum. Like, I Giannis had the Larry O'Brien trophy in his hands and granted he wants to do it again. And that's great. Um, but they actually won one uh, that, that did happen just two years ago. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think anything has changed, you know, kind of from the moment all of this started with Giannis, right? Like when he signed that Supermax extension, there was always going to be the pressure to compete. Uh, he had done the MVP thing. He had done all of the other stuff I had talked about earlier, Anthony Edwards not yet doing. He had already done those things. So when he had done those things, it made sense that the organization was at the push for a championship every year and kind of work through these things. And and I think the the tough part about, you know, what he said about kind of everyone pushing in the same direction and, you know, trying to push in for a championship and do everything that they can is that when you look at the championship odds in the last two seasons, the Bucks were in the top three. Again, I is there things that they could have done to be number one in those rankings? 
I don't know. Like, if we're talking about moves that they could have made that could have put them there, I mean, maybe there is some small stuff on the periphery uh, that could have pushed them just slightly higher. But if you're talking about the NBA in its current iteration, you know, without the massive cap spike that gifted the Warriors Kevin Durant, we haven't had a favorite like that. That's not how the league in its current form kind of exists. Like you just want to be in the contention mix and then hope everything hits right. And the last two years, Chris Middleton getting hurt in the playoffs and Giannis getting hurt in the playoffs, everything didn't hit right. And and sometimes that's just the way it goes. But I can see why Giannis would be like, I haven't won a championship in two years. And it would want to make sure that the organization is continuing to push for that. I think we, you, that's almost a, just a, a fact of the difference between, you know, certainly uh, not everyone, every fan or media person is is processed facing as we are. But we see things and you say, oh, yeah, they're, they're there, thereabouts every year. What more do you want? Then you need to get some breaks. I think that's right. I also think uh, I know that that is not the way that anyone in this in this scenario, I mean, it's a, you know, you it's a cliche to say it's a results business and the results have been what they've been. And um, the fact that there's been some misfortune or lack of good fortune that has played into that is sort of by the wayside. I mean, you know, how far have they got since in the last two playoffs? How, how far have they gotten? How many playoff series have they won in, in those last two seasons and reasons why? Sure. But you know, if, if uh, from a player and organization, like competitive mindset, that's what they see. Not that we were good enough and, and shit just went bad. I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, they they fired their coach this offseason. Well, I was right. about to get to that, but they yeah. brought back the same team. Right? right. This is this is the biggest concern I have is that, you know, they've flown under the radar so far this summer, except for Giannis's comments, because they did not make any changes to the roster, but they have a new coach, same roster. And so I guess my concern is, OK, what's the new system going to look like? What, how long is it going to take them to develop the system, you know, during the course of the season, get used to it? Because, you know, I think we all agree they've got to do things a little bit differently, not just offensively, but defensively as well, because, you know, Brooke is older and and frankly, Giannis is a, a little bit older and not as active as he was in previous years. You now have to deal with a, a slightly diminished Chris Middleton defensively. Uh, Drew Holiday's gotten older, right? Like, so it's an older roster, but new coach. And so, you know, I worry about the learning curve there, Eric. For sure. I mean, I think there's strong examples of success in the first year of a new head coach uh, in the very recent NBA. Um, you look at some of the teams that have either made deep runs or won a championship with a first year head coach. It's not impossible. This is a thing that that does occur, um, you know, it, and it's happened recently. So you don't have to, you know, go digging through the archives to figure out, well, could it actually work with a first year coach? Yeah, it can. Um, you have to have talent. It, and you have to have those things in place. But I, I do agree, ultimately, I think speaking to Seth's point here, I, I think as someone who covers the team, I can logically see, all right, this offseason, if you decide not to run it back and you let Chris Middleton walk, you don't just get free money to spend. That's not how the salary cap works. You wouldn't have had that money to spend and grab someone that is – if not Chris Middleton's caliber, close to Chris Middleton's caliber. If you let Brooke Lopez walk, 
the same thing is true. You're not going to find another Brook Lopez. But just because I can logically see that running it back was the logical move, if you want to make moves for the future, that's going to have to come down the road once those guys are signed up for beyond this year and aren't free agents. Um, I can logically see that. But I can understand, as Seth said, why a player might not feel that way. Why, you know, if you're on the team, you're thinking, you know, we're just standing still. Nothing new has changed. And yes, the coach has changed. So the systems will be different. And, and we'll kind of see how all that plays out coming up here in a month once we get into the preseason and see kind of some of that on the floor. Um, I can't understand why it feels like, you know, you're just running back the same thing over and over again, and it hasn't worked the last two years. So why is it magically going to be the thing that worked, you know, in 2021 in how is that going to work in 2024? Like I can, I can understand the logic behind all of it. So I do think, you know, this is the start of the process of that next contract, you know, Giannis has signed up for this year next year and then we're talking about a player option in the year after that so that's going into uh the 25 26 season so in reality the the bucks are, have a little bit more time but this is the start of these conversations this is kind of how it all rolls out right like it, it doesn't immediately become a situation where they have to sign them to a new contract uh it starts with, well, if things aren't good enough, then he's going to have to think about his future. And, you know, I think in the past there was, you know, hints at it or, you know, things said where it's like, oh, you got to be thinking about a championship. And then the part about leaving was left unsaid. This is, you know, the first time that Giannis said it he, in that interview in the New York Times. He put it out there that, OK, if you're not doing those things, I could leave or I might not stay in Milwaukee. Uh, so that is different and it's a little bit more forceful. But uh, to me, the the directive is still the same. Like this is always about winning championships and winning another one for Giannis. I mean, it's I don't think it given the realities of, OK, two years in a player option. So effectively two years. So effectively um, from a team standpoint, either he is. Um, you know, committing next summer or you're trading him. Like that's just, that's, that's kind of facts, right? So it's, it's almost the things that were said almost didn't need to be said. Cause like, okay, we're either, we're either a, a championship, like we're either in the minimum conference finals or NBA finals this year, or moves are going to be made. I mean, that's like, yeah, that's I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. think anyone thought he was because he is extension eligible this September. Um, I don't think anyone thought he was signing that first kind of baby extension yeah. that you can do. Like, that's not how the top five guys in the league do business. Yeah. Next year is sort of where it where, where it comes in. Oh, so I want to but I want to ask actually about the basketball team. So you mentioned sure. you mentioned the new coach. And um, I think if we were to have a. I mean, among the criticisms that we could we could kind of give to sort of the old regime was probably that hurt them in the playoffs was a over reliance on sort of kind of solid vets at the expense of unpredictability, dynamism, athleticism, and the roster was kind of tailored that way. Um, with largely the same roster, is that something that that can change? Under Adrian Griffin, or like, you know, what do you think is going to be different on the floor? Yeah, I mean, I think 
when you look at kind of what Adrian Griffin said in his like introductory press conference and a little bit that, you know, he kind of talked at summer league, um, you're looking at like a more aggressive defense, right? So going into what Mike Boonholzer has done over the years, you knew that they were going to have a low foul rate and they were going to try to be great on the defensive glass. Like those were two things that, you know, bud teams have done in the past. We don't know what an Adrian Griffin team is going to do. We know what a Nick nurse team did while Adrian Griffin was the assistant. Um, but we don't know exactly what Adrian Griffin's going to do, but I, I would think when you're looking at the defense, it's going to be, you know, trying to force some more turnovers, trying to get back out on the run. The Bucks have the greatest transition weapon in the history of the game and didn't end up getting out in transition a whole lot last year. Like those are things that, that they can kind of do. Like they were a good semi-transition team. They shot threes quickly at the start of possessions, but getting back out on the run, I think is, is one thing that, you can look at and I would say you're looking at like the top six of the roster remains the same from the 2021 championship team, right? Giannis, Chris, Drew, Brooke, plus Bobby and Pat off the bench. Those six remain the same. I think where things can maybe potentially change a little bit is like they have a guy in Marjan Bochamp that they spent a first round pick on last year. They have a guy in Andre Jackson Jr. who they're very excited about dynamite athlete um and someone that kind of slipped into the start of the second round where they traded uh for number 36 so i think there is still that veteran core if you want it there like they could lean on grayson allen they signed up jay crowder again like you could lean on those things or you can lean into some of the athleticism of the young guys some of the unknown uh that might be there so i do think you know for the first time those things exist it's just a matter of is the is the lineup that has been built philosophically, the roster that's been built philosophically, going to be coached in that same way? Is a greater emphasis going to be placed on player development and trusting those young guys in trying to, you know, as we've seen the Raptors that Adrian Griffin came from in the Miami Heat that have beaten the Bucks twice here in the last couple of years in the postseason, they have hit on some of those, you know, undrafted guys. Rangy athletes that can can come off the bench and cause disruption. And that's the thing that the Bucs have missed for the last three years. I mean, even the the title year, they were missing it. It's just that Giannis was overwhelming. And so, I mean, in my opinion, they have to lean into that, especially Bochamp, who I think can be a a top rotation piece for them, you know, and ought to be maybe this year, you know, with the time now in coming up on training camp and, and being injury free. That's a guy they should want in their top eight. Cause they need that sort of dynamism. I mean, we, we talk about it constantly with the bucks and it, it will allow them to play more than one way. And, and in particular, the transition, they are slow cause they're old. That's, I mean, there's just been so many times in the last couple of years where, you know, it's Giannis out on the break. And to some extent you do want to get out of Giannis's way, right? Like you want to make the runway sure. as clear as possible sure there can be four cones in the way that are those transition defenders, but everything else should probably be clear. But you know, what if there was a faster guy out in front of him and he could just throw it ahead and he doesn't have to take the beating? Like that to me is kind of the thought process behind a guy like Marjan Bochamp. And you saw him do that a little bit at the start of the year when he's in the rotation. A guy like Andre Jackson Jr., I think at the combine, had the third fastest three-quarter court sprint. He's got a 44-inch vertical. If you watch those Connecticut games, him pushing in transition was kind of the engine behind getting everything started for them. Like, oh, that with Giannis, 
in the half court could it be problematic yeah probably uh, yeah that's very Maybe. real but who cares why don't they just go dunk and then you don't have to worry about the half court like that's that's a thing that you have to kind of think about i think that like if one we were to be optimistic and it's just very weird for it's a very weird role reversal for for eric being the pessimist <laughs> and me being the optimist <laughs> here uh is that just the the uh that is not you know athlete ath crazy athlete who can't shoot that is not a mike budenholzer player no so yeah. they like to some degree that is a that that um you, you know and and not just well he's the best player available so we're going to take him but we're actually going to trade up to to select this player does indicate at least at, at least an understanding that there has to be a philosophical change because I mean, who you've, you've gotten your, you know, in the last couple of years in the playoff, you've gotten your ass kicked by Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler. Cause that's a, you know, everyone in the league kind of has a whole of that, like that mid-sized athlete on their roster. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they've sort of soldiered on with, uh, uh, with, with, you know, the Jay Crowders and Wes Matthews of the world. And, you know, that's gotten them where it's gotten them. I think Wes Matthews has given them as much or more than you could have reasonably expected but that's still grading by a certain curve. That's not, right. you know, you know, it's, it's not, okay. You're going to roll him out there and, and say, okay, that, 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 that guy, that Jimmy Butler guy, you got him, that Jason Tatum, you got him. And, and how do you feel about that? And the answer is not very good. And, and that's not to say like the whole roster has, you know, added a ton of athletic juice, right? Like that's not to say the the whole thing is different, but two guys, as opposed to zero, you know, no one that right. was in the rotation and playing, is noticeable that is something like you can still do the old reliable stuff right like you, you can still count on Giannis and chris and drew and pat and brooke and bobby, and bobby portis like all that's great but like also there's two guys that are either going to be in the rotation or on the fringe of the rotation and have a chance to you know just give a little something different and that's just like if you're talking about counter punches the bucks could throw in the past it was like oh well you know pj tucker's here we can kind of switch more well okay yeah but like it's still the same kind of professionalism <laughs> and the same type of like older player that's just going to like kind of get through not like dynamic athleticism well it's that's predictability versus variability that's right exactly. and that and that's been the the sort of thorn in their side i mean i guess my my last question on this would be what's their stomach for losing like what's their stomach for not being a, a one seed or a two seed and instead of being a four seed or a five seed because these guys need reps and part of young guys getting reps is you you know they make mistakes and maybe you lose some games that you might win so like what's their stomach for that and that's that's really the interesting question because th there was you know, we've talked about this a lot over the entire lifetime we've been doing this show, Dave, about how reliable they were beating bad teams and getting themselves to, you know, mid-50s plus wins um, and not needing to to do anything to get that. With that as the baseline, are you going to be okay losing a like a, with a two-game, three-game losing streak in December because you've played, you know, Marjan Beauchamp and, and, and Jackson – you know, 60 minutes total per, per like between them per game or, or that, that playing into it. Are you going to, Oh man, we got to, we just a three game losing streak. We got to, Nope. Got to um, give all those minutes to, to Wes and Pat and, and Grayson and, and, and you know, what works or is this like, okay, it's December. 
we're scuffling, but we got to work through it because the only way we're going to win a championship is if we work through it. Are they going to be able to, are they going to be able to, with this same group, except for the coach, are they going to be able to stomach that sort of turbulence? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting team to think about in that regard, because the year that they won a championship, they were the three seed, right? That, that was a team that was not just rolling through the regular season. And they were good. Like, I'm not trying to say they were a bad regular season team or anything, but they were trying some stuff out. And they did go through some growing pains trying to figure out, you know, what they were together with Drew in there. And then when they traded for PJ and getting him in there and trying to figure out some stuff. So they have done it before, but then you just kind of get into a regular season rut like they did last year in December. And it was like, man, it'd be kind of cool if like, Chris came back and we just rattled off like nine straight wins. Wouldn't it like, wouldn't that be fun? Like, don't you guys like that? And all the vets are like, yeah, man, that sounds so cool. We should do that. Uh, And you get into a spot where it's like, all right, like if you're going to do that, if you're going to go through those growing pains, that's got to be top to bottom, right? Like everyone's got to be involved. The the vets got to be like, yep, these guys are important. They're going to be a part of this. Like we need to bring them along as well. So I, I do think that's, to me, one of the interesting questions of this season, one of the many interesting questions of this season, as we figure out what Adrian Griffin is like as a first-time coach and how he navigates those interpersonal dynamics that are very hard to quantify, right? Like they're not X's and O's. They're not like, you know, calling a perfect ATO or whatever it is. Like, it's like the nitty gritty stuff of coaching that we can't really quantify. How good is Adrian Griffin going to be at that stuff? Yeah. All right. Well, I think that this is a good place to wrap up. Uh, Eric, look forward to your coverage this coming season, as I have every single year. Uh, one of my favorite writers. And uh, Seth, anything uh, before we wrap up? <laughs> um, I've actually got a uh, um, next week. We mentioned John Krasinski at the top. Uh, we've got kind of a, a Q&A that we did sort of before the Anthony Edwards uh, news kind of broke where we talked about uh, sort of what what. Um, how I saw the Timberwolves roster with respect to to the player tiers. So look for that. Uh, that kind of got superseded by some, um, <laughs> by, so, some by some other bit, by some other bits of news. So I, yeah. I believe I believe we're planning on running that next week. So well, everybody, that. go and check that out, and we'll be back with another episode in a couple of weeks. And I think I think Mo's back for that. He's on vacation right now, enjoying food in Europe somewhere. So uh, for Seth Partnow and Eric Name, I'm Dave DeFore, and this has been Nerder. She wrote. Athletic NBA. Show.